The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Gwen and Mercy Academy High School, the Sisters of Mercy, or any related affiliate. Impact Podcast. My name is Lucy and I'm a current junior at Gwynedd. And I'm Erin Remo Clemens. I'm the Director of Alumni Engagement and a member of the Class of 2012. Today we have Dr. Megan Bishop on the podcast, a member of the Class of 2003 at Gwynedd Mercy Academy High School. During her time at Gwynedd, she was a dedicated member of the cross-country and track teams. After graduating, Megan attended the College of William & Mary, graduating summa cum laude with a degree in biology. She continued to study medicine at the George Washington School of Medicine and Health Sciences in DC. With this experience and her passion for the athletics, Megan currently works as a board certified sports medicine surgeon at the Rothman Orthopedic Institute in South Jersey. Her love of running and giving back to the community has continued to this day as she has participated in Back on My Feet an organization combating homelessness through running. She is a member of the Students Run Philly style board of directors and focuses on helping women in the field of orthopedics. Welcome, Megan. During your years in high school and college, you were really involved with running, whether on track or cross country. So how did your love for running spark and how has this activity impacted your life? First off, thanks, Gwyneth, and uh, you guys for having me on the podcast today. This is great that you guys do this. Very excited to be contributing. So I started running when I was quite young, actually. I was a gymnast initially, and then I ended up, my parents basically were like, yeah, we don't like your three-hour practices anymore. Why don't you pick a different sport? So I fell into running when I was quite young. I was probably like eight or nine years old. I joined something called the Ambler Olympic Club, which is an AU club that is local, you know, right around Gwinnett. And they actually, they practice at Wissahickon High School. And the coach, Larry Wilson, was the coach of Ambler Olympic Club. And I fell in love with it. So even just as a very young girl, I really loved running. I loved the individual yet team aspect of it. I felt that like it allowed you to really push yourself and, you know, figure out, try to get the best of yourself in everything you do, which is kind of something that I've applied to pretty my mantra through everything I've approached in life. So yeah, so my running, love for running started pretty early. I continued to run through high school, through college, and, you know, it certainly contributed to my interest in sports and sports medicine and the healthcare field. I know you mentioned one of your coaches, Coach Larry Wilson. Are there any, like, other memorable teachers or coaches who have helped influence you on your journey, or how did Coach Larry do that for you? Yeah, Coach Larry has influenced his reaches so far. He's influenced so many people. Um, he was definitely the most influential coach in my life. I, I really was one of the, he was one of the main reasons I attended Gwynedd, frankly. So, you know, he has been there. He's always there for his athletes. You know, he teaches you commitment. He teaches you how to push yourself and he does it in a way that is so impactful. So he is a person that I always looked up to and has really been the biggest role model coach that I've had through all my years of running, including high school, collegiate, and post-collegiate. In terms of other coaches, when I, I think of some of my coaches that I had at Gwinnett as well, Gil Bainbridge was a volunteer coach when I was at Gwinnett. He was really great coach as well. 
He also worked with the Ambler Olympic Club. Frank Di Maria was from the Ambler Olympic Club as well, who actually was the head coach of the Mount when I, when I was in high school. So I was a little bit deciding initially to go between the Mount and Gwinnett, and I was getting pulled in both ways by the coaches, but Larry won. <laughs> so uh, it, that's where I ended up. But yeah, so, you know, Larry has certainly been a great influence in my life amongst uh, many of my other coaches. I still stay in touch, try to stay in touch with everybody. And these are like lifelong relationships that you make, you know, uh, on and off the field. That's fantastic. And when you, you know, when you were here at Gwynedd, I'm sure you're trying to think of, you know, what you wanted to do in the future. Did you have any inkling that you were interested in the medical field or what you would be doing years down the road? Yeah, I did. So first off, my mom is in medicine. She's she's a nurse. So like I had a little bit of exposure to the medical field through her. So she definitely helped influence that. And really like my, aside from that, my interest in medicine came from being very much interested in helping people essentially get back to doing what they love to do. And I felt that sports medicine was really the best way to do that. I love treating athletes. I was an athlete, obviously athletics were very important in my life. So the idea that you could be able to continue throughout your life, work with athletics and really help people staying at their best selves and being able to do the things that they love and compete at their best selves was something that really appealed to me. So like through going and through being an athlete, I think that kind of instilled a lot of that in me and, you know, the mercy spirit of helping others and things like that. Compassion, you know, definitely led me towards medicine as well. That's amazing. After Gwynedd, how did your experience as a student athlete at the College of William & Mary add to your overall experience and affect your career path? Yeah, so the College of William & Mary, I ended up pursuing like pre-medical pathway pretty much right away. Uh, I majored in biology, which is the traditional pre-medical major. So I kind of went in knowing I wanted to go down to the field of medicine. And if something came around, it kind of switched my mind. I would pursue that, but uh, nothing really ever did. I, you know, I always went in with the idea that I wanted to go towards medical school and nothing ever caught my interest that changed my mind. So, you know, when I was in college, I continued with athletics. So, you know, that definitely helps with um, like learning time management and, you know, managing your school load and things like that, helping keep focus with the both classwork and as well as with athletics. But I also got to work with our sports medicine athletic training team while I was there too, for more exposure for sports medicine. So I volunteered, you know, working with our athletes at the college a couple of days a week, which was some great early exposure. And then also really like didn't take too much time away from what I was doing in terms of school and athletics, because I frankly just really didn't have a lot of time to be doing other Mm -hmm. things. So it was a convenient way for me to be able to get some exposure to the field, get not overstress myself because, you know, as a student athlete, most of us are kind of already overstressed. So that was kind of my pathway at William and Mary, relatively traditional pathway towards medicine. But, um, you know, the aspect of being a student athlete on top of that certainly makes things more challenging. Were you participating in any other like extracurriculars during your time at Gwynedd or in college? I know like today, some of my classmates are in like the Health Careers Club. It was just founded like Mm -hmm. a few years ago, but it's been expanding since then. Were there any you really enjoyed? Yeah. So Becky Shaw McGuire and I were, we founded the inaugural French Club, which I don't even know if that exists anymore. (laughs) But we did found a French club and we used to have Crepe Day. And we would sell crepes <laughs> that you would make your own crepes in the front. And then we would make our money and donate it something to like school supplies for people in France. It was, it was ridiculous. I, I don't even remember what we did with everything, but we found a French club in high school. Gosh, I don't even remember what else I did. I think I did Glee club a couple of years. Oh, um, I'm in Glee club. <laughs> yeah. 
other than that, I was mostly running in college. Like, frankly, I didn't do sororities. I didn't do anything, anything else like that. I just like didn't have enough time or interest, but like my college was like a huge sorority and fraternity college. So, you know, a lot of people down this, down at school um, did that and had a lot of good time, but that was probably mostly it. I don't remember doing too much else besides that. <laughs> so in deciding to pursue your career in sports medicine, did you have any like role models that you wanted to follow in the footsteps of? Yeah. So role models are incredible and mentorship and sponsorship are incredibly important, especially in a career in medicine, especially as a female in going into a career in medicine, women and minorities are much less likely to be able to have good mentorship relationships. So being able to find a good mentor to lead you and guide you through this pathway is incredibly important. So I was really lucky to have um, found a good mentor early in my medical school career in my, after my first year of medical school and everybody after the first year of medical school gets kind of a summer off from classes. It's kind of like your last summer off. So I decided to kind of reach out to another female orthopedic surgeon that was a sports medicine surgeon that was actually at the University of Pittsburgh at the time. Her name's Robin West to just see if she'd be, she went to GW, which is where I went to medical school. So like, I just like on a whim sent her an email and was just like, Hey, would you like allow somebody to come shadow you this summer? And she had me come out there and meet her first and then said, sure. So I, I spent the whole summer out there with her, like going in the OR, going to clinic, getting to do some research. And it really like solidified my interest in sports medicine and kind of jumpstarted my pathway towards orthopedics. I didn't have anyone in my family that was like an orthopedic surgeon, a physician. So I didn't necessarily know the right, you know, a lot about it. So she really helped guide my path. I'm still very much in touch with her today. And she's amazing. She was the team doctor. At the time, she was the team doctor for the Pittsburgh Steelers, as well as the University of Pittsburgh. And then she ended up leaving Pittsburgh and then became the like the team physician of the Washington Redskins, of the Washington Nationals. She is like she's the head of a huge program of orthopedics in North Virginia. So she was somebody I just like randomly emailed and she ended up being like this amazing person. So I guess my advice to people like from that situation is like, don't be afraid to reach out to people. You know, you certainly could have some really special relationship that develops and end up really benefiting from that just email that you send. She was my greatest, she's been my greatest mentor thus far. And yeah, I definitely encourage anyone that's interested in medicine to just try to find a mentor, seek them out yourself, and it's going to be a much better relationship that way. That's fantastic. Yeah, I feel like so many times it can be so scary, the thought of just reaching out to somebody and they, you know, what's the worst they can do? Not respond. Yeah, um, usually I would say that's what happens. Like, exactly. Times, if you reach out to me and I don't respond, it's probably because I was too busy and I like missed the email. So like, right. I would say sometimes try a second time you know, if that's the case, because like, especially physicians, physicians are like notorious for being late at things, not responding to emails. I, I try to be very good at it, but I'm not always very good at it. I'm better than some people, but just try. The worst that somebody could say is no, or they don't have time. And maybe they would refer you to somebody else that does have time. Yeah, absolutely. We have our, our mentorship program yeah. here that I know Lucy's part of. Um, Who's your mentor this year? I think yeah. mine's next year. Oh, next year. I'm sorry. I'm thinking <laughs> senior year. But yeah, we got set up year. on Gwyneth Force. And yes, you're yeah. on Gwyneth Force. So you can like connect with people. And um, then next year you mm-hmm. will get a mentor uh, based on what you're what you're interested in doing. And, and it's such a nice program because it, it, it introduces our students into that kind of field of just being able to, to find somebody who has a, a common interest. 
Um, so that's fantastic. And and this year, actually, at Gwened, uh, we, also, we always have these five critical concerns of mercy, right, which is something that have existed since you were in school. But, you know, when we were here as students, you know, it wasn't really something we talked a whole lot about, but now really integrated into our curriculum and in everything we do. I'm going to quiz you, what are our five critical concerns of mercy? <laughs> Hopefully I can do it on the spot, but women, immigration, racism, nonviolence, and earth. Yep, I you did it. Good job. Okay. And so <laughs> this year, our critical concern that we were focusing on, because we pick one per year, is women. So I know you have specialized in treating female athletes. What is it about treating women specifically? That's one unique to treating men, because I'm sure it's got to be different. And why did you choose to go on that path? Yeah, so I definitely do have a special interest in treating female athletes. A lot of people probably know that orthopedics is a significantly male-dominated field. There's only 8% practicing female orthopedic surgeons, which is the lowest of any medical subspecialty. So 8%, that's it. So, you know, over in history of orthopedics and sports medicine, women's health has not really ever been focused on. It's pretty much, if you look at all research, 90% of it has been done on males and not women's subjects. So we know that there are a lot of different differences throughout all health between males and females. You know, males, men and women are not the same. There's a number of you know anatomic hormonal differences, biomechanical differences, a number of differences between men and women. You know, some specific sports medicine examples, we know women are two to eight times more likely to tear their ACL than men. And this has to do with a number of those reasons I just said. Uh, women are more likely to have anterior knee pain or patellofemoral pain to dislocate their kneecap, to have multidirectional shoulder instability. There's a number of different orthopedic conditions that are more common in women. A lot of the focus in orthopedic research and kind of orthopedic treatment has never really been on women. So, you know, as women in orthopedics, I really did, wanted to try to focus, you know, my career and my research and trying to expand our horizons and really try to focus on some things that have not really been looked at before, you know, not necessarily men's fault. It's just, you know, women are more interested in women a lot of the times. So um, it's something that I, I'm kind of passionate about. I actually did a study that looked at, you know, the top six orthopedic sports medicine journals and only 8% of studies published were specifically unique to women's sports only. 80% were only on male sports and 20% or 70% were on male sports and like 20% around there were on both. So that's like 8% of studies in sports medicine have focused on women's sports. So when we know that there's so many differences in injuries between males and men and women and how the response to treatment and things like that, and only 8% of studies have been focused on women, we definitely can improve that. So, you know, that, that's one of the things I've been interested in looking at. And I hope that in long term, more women go into orthopedics. I hope we keep the field like appealing to women. We're definitely increasing our numbers. You know, my hope is I can make the pathway a little bit easier for, you know, women in the future. And as a woman yourself, have you faced any challenges in your field because of your gender? And how did you overcome them? Oh, for sure. Every day. It's definitely not a cakewalk. You know, patients perceive you differently staff perceives you differently, your colleagues perceive you differently, you know, you're definitely held to a little bit of a different standard than the traditional uh, male physicians. Half the time, I'm not called doctor by patients, you know, they call me miss, or they call me ma'am, you know, like they assume I'm the nurse, you know, so you have that perception of patients that happens pretty frequently. You're the kind of less demanding person, personality wise, which some women are a little, often a little bit more less aggressive, I would say less aggressive than males, just how women are. So you tend to get kind of 
the second hand treatment with everything, maybe not get the greater OR time, maybe you'll get the worse OR staff because you aren't as aggressive and don't complain as much. You know, there's so many like small little things that happen all the time as a woman. You know, that's kind of how it is at this point. But the best things you can do, you know, that I've found to kind of overcome these are just be confident in yourself, believe in yourself and, you know, always be yourself. Don't try to be someone you're not because if you do kind of just say to you're true to yourself in this, you know, people are going to respect you. You're going to be a lot happier in what you do. And, you know, don't take things personally. It's the system is not set up to kind of promote us. We have to do, we have to do a lot of the work ourselves to get there. So it's a challenge, but it's exciting to be able to try to try to change, break the mold and, you know, change things for the future. So, you know, I don't say that to discourage people, but just to be honest and, you know, like I said, just be true to yourself and um, things should work out the right way. That's fantastic. And it's great that you want to make sure that the the future generations of orthopedic surgeons, you know, have a better pathway. And I know that you're the chair of the American Orthopedic Society for Sports Medicine's Emerging Leaders Committee. So obviously that is something that you're very passionate about. What are some of the initiatives and projects you're working on to help set things up for that next generation? Yeah. So this is a fun like volunteer society. Uh, it's one of our one of our biggest sports medicine societies. And this uh, committee is kind of focused on our early career members, which are people that are under the age of 45 or have been in practice for less than 10 years. So essentially it's, it's trying to provide advice, provide mentorship opportunities, provide networking uh, to our early career members to be able to kind of make things easier, you know, provide opportunities to learn from each other. So some things we do, we have like little like informal, we call them nightcaps, which are essentially Zooms talking about a relevant topic to early career members. We have a specific mentorship program, kind of like you guys talked about, where you pair an early career surgeon with, you know, a senior surgeon. We have a bunch of like specific program program we, we do at our annual meeting. And we're just developing a scholarship for residents to be able to attend our annual sports medicine meeting as well. So it's really just to try to, you know, give it a place that's a safe place for learning for early career members in sports medicine. Fabulous. Yeah. So, and another one of your many roles is being the orthopedic medical director for the Philadelphia Marathon, and you provide medical coverage for athletes at the New York City Marathon. So how do you prepare for such large scale events and what are the key challenges you face while providing medical care to marathon runners? Yeah. So one of the coolest things of being a sports medicine doctor is you get to take care of athletes and it's, you get to do it, you know, at live events. Some people like stay away from sports medicine as a uh, specialty in orthopedics because they're like, I don't want to be covering the sports events, but um, I love it. And a lot of people that go into sports, it's something I love to do, like being on the sideline, like being part of the team, things like that. They're a lot of fun. So I specifically, obviously with my interest in running, have done some marathon coverage that you're specifically asking about. I covered the New York City Marathon like two weeks ago. So it was pretty cool. And, and when I get to do the New York City Marathon, I do the pros. So I cover the elites. So, you know, I go with all the people that are like winning the race and, you know, and the top athletes in the race. So that's a little bit of a different experience just because you're kind of like providing just quick concierge medicine. There's not many major emergencies amongst them because they're all so conditioned and so fit. It's more of a super cool experience to get to work with those really top athletes. The Philly Marathon is a little less organized, I would say, than the New York City Marathon on the level of medical coverage. And you know, the main thing as a sports medicine orthopedist covering these types of events is to work as a team. So, you know, as an orthopedist, I'm more equipped to take care of bones, take care of muscle strains, to take care of, you know, tendon tears, things like that. 
you know, cardiac events are not necessarily something that, you know, as a sports medicine physician, we all need to be trained on how to manage those events. But you definitely need to have a team working with you. You know, that's why we have nurses. That's why we have EMTs. That's why we have ER physicians that are all covering these events. It's the same as us. If you work as a team together and kind of make sure you communicate with each other, like if someone seems like they're crashing or someone seems like this is going to be a much more significant event of alerting the right people and getting the right team in there to, to function. So I think that's probably the most important part of covering those events, like, uh, you know, managing your team, being a leader in, in the sense that like knowing what you excel at and what other people are probably better at than you and making sure that you know how to kind of initiate that pathway if something seems like it's happening. Because, you know, there are cardiac events at marathons, you know, orthopedic wise, you know, like, of course, people get blisters and people get, you know, killy strains and all that <laughs> stuff. But the, the worst injury I ever saw was somebody actually like fractured like their whole hip and displaced it in like a 25 year old person, male actually, which is shocking, just running the marathon around and his hip completely broke through a stress fracture. So like you occasionally can get those crazy orthopedic emergencies, but like usually they're like hypothermia, hyperthermia, a lot more like medical type conditions that you see in marathons. That's crazy. And how do you, when you're, I mean, it's obviously such a long race. Where are you stationed and how do you know like where to get to? I'm sure, I guess you already have like yeah, yeah. So along I mean, the way. It's, it's the New York City Marathon actually is like the most well-organized event ever. Their, their, um, their medical director is, it's like his full-time job. So they have a medical station at every single mile, the entire, and the finish and multiple ones at the finish and one at the start. So we have meetings beforehand, lots of people, all these people are volunteers uh, and you get assigned to a station each one. So as the one that works with the elites, I actually like, take the bus out to the start with them. And then I get on a car with like a police escort back to the finish, like right for like right when they're done to be at the tent when they finish. Like the Philadelphia Marathon has two tents. They have a tent at the finish and a tent like at the halfway. So it's like a much <laughs> smaller scale marathon. So the organization is different between the two, but it, it takes a lot to go into planning. And in the marathon, you've also experienced like the running side and you participated in the 2020 U.S. Olympic trials, actually. What was that experience like and how do you balance your career with your passion for running? Yeah, that was super cool. That was like a bucket list thing for me. I had been I had maybe run like five, four or five marathons before I kind of like got the itch to like I knew the time for the marathon qualify that year was coming up. I'd seen a lot of my friends run it in the previous Olympic trials marathon. And I was kind of just like, huh, I'm really not that far off. I think if I probably like just tried a little bit harder, I could probably get the time and it'd be like a pretty cool experience to do. So yeah, it was before I had kids trained, you know, hard, but it was within nothing was like too crazy. I probably ran like 70 to 80 miles a week when I was actually training for the marathon, which, you know, in terms of running for a marathon, that's probably not that much compared to a lot of other people, but Running is kind of nice in itself that you just walk out your door and you can do it. So, you know, hours wise, it's still a decent amount of hours, but it, it's not as, it's not a crazy amount. Um, and you can do it anywhere. Like occasionally I would like bring my shoes and run to work. Uh, I'd run home from work. So then you can run twice in a day. There was a number of ways to organize it. There was a lot of planning to go involved with how I would train while I was working. But, you know, it, as long as I planned the week, 
you know, it never felt like too uh, disruptive or too difficult to do. But the race itself was super cool. Um, it was awesome and an honor to be there with all these other amazing athletes that were certainly way better than me. But um, the race actually went really well for me. I ran like my best time and it was a really challenging course. And I don't think too many people ran their best times that day. I ended up placing 50th out of like 400 something people. I don't, I don't know how many exactly there were. So I placed a lot higher than I was ranked, which I was proud of. But it's something I'll always remember. It was the last marathon I did. I don't know when I'll do another one at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm really glad I did it. The next uh, the marathon trials are coming up soon for 2024 Olympics in like three months. So I'll be cheering on the sideline this time, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, You're, to have at least the most recent marathon you've done, like really on that high note of. Yeah, that's kind of it's like and, and finishing. So you well. know what Seinfeld is ending yeah. on a high note. yeah that's that's really cool so and you're also I mean you're involved in so many different things but um you have a a couple community organizations that you're part of uh back on my feet and students run Philly style can you share a little bit about your role in these organizations and how they kind of work to impact our community yeah um I'd like to highlight students run Philly style um this is the organization that I'm most involved with right now so they are a um nonprofit organization that basically focuses on, you know, mentorship through running. So essentially we pair um, our running leaders with students throughout high schools and schools in Philadelphia that are, you know, underserved and allow, you know, students to have, you know, practices to be able to pick a race to train for. And essentially being, have the gain mentors, they are able to establish goals and be able to accomplish those goals. And, you know, the downstream effects of that are really great for these these students. Um, they really can gain confidence to see that they're able to kind of accomplish these things. So that's a really awesome nonprofit that we have in Philadelphia and is a local organization that I've really been happy to be a part of. There's I think like over 600 people racing in the Philly Marathon Weekend this weekend from Students Run Philly Style. They're like the blue and yellow t-shirts to keep a lookout for them. So I'm very proud of that organization. They really do great work for local in Philadelphia. And yeah, people, they would love more volunteers. So anybody that's ever interested in, you know, volunteering, I think it's a great organization to work for. And then, you know, back on my feet, I did more during my training when I was uh, in DC. But that is an organization that essentially is kind of the same idea. It tries to focuses actually to combat homelessness and people that are kind of just in bad situations, um, you know, addiction, things like that, to use running as a group or running to be able to essentially provide opportunities for them. So like they would provide the shoes for some of these people that were in, um, in difficult situations and they would come to practices and it would allow them to get, you know, commitment to being able to show up to, you know, an organized group event multiple times, and then they would be able to get some job opportunities and uh, open doors that way as well. You know, so that was a really great organization as well. It's won like numerous awards. So they have it in Philadelphia too. So yeah, look them up if you guys are interested. Uh, Feel free to reach out to me as well. I can give you more info. That's fantastic. And just so great that so much good can come from, like you said, this sport that you can just do when you open your front door and leave for the day, you know, it's something everybody can do, of course, if they're physically able sure. and it can and really improve their lives. So I love that. And you've accomplished so much in your career. What are your goals and aspirations down the line and for the future? I feel like you have so much already done. So what's next? First off, I have two like beautiful young children now. Um, my daughter Rory is eight months today, actually. And my son, uh, Logan is almost three, he turns three next month. So 
definitely want to be an awesome mom. <laughs> I'm like a super busy person. So that, that's like a high priority to be there for my kids and be the lead by example for them. And hopefully one day make them proud of me. So aspiration to be able to be, have my career and have my kids and be a good mom. So that's number one. But I, you know, I recently moved from New York down to South Jersey area. So I practice at Rothman Orthopedics in South Jersey now and have been with the practice a few months. So I definitely just want to develop my practice clinically um, at this point and get busy and, you know, be able to help my community. So like my immediate goals are just to try to have a busier practice and work with our local communities to cover some more sports teams and things like that. And then, you know, eventually I'll probably try to get more involved with like AOSSM, that society that I'm part of the emerging leaders group of in leadership positions there as well. But yeah, those are probably my main things at this point. Maybe one day I'll start running again more competitively when I become a master's, which isn't that far away from now. <laughs> That's kind of what I put it off for once my kids are a little bit older. And right now it's mostly stroller runs, but yeah, I think one day I'll probably incorporate that back into my life as well. Very nice. So what motivates you? And do you have any like favorite phrase or quote that keeps you going? So I'm motivated by my family and my friends, kids. I am motivated by myself, just trying to get the best out of myself that I can. And, you know, I'm motivated by taking care of my patients. It's awesome to be able to like see people, especially like young athletes that are hurt, if you like tear their ACL and like getting back on the field and all that they go through to be able to get there. So that's super inspiring as well. In terms of quote, honestly, I don't really have a quote. I can give you the quote that we've always, I've always used that to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift, which is said by Steve Prefontaine. I think that was like my high school yearbook quote. So <laughs> it might've been the last time I've had to provide a quote. So we'll go with that one. <laughs> I like that quote. And then do you have any advice for any Gwinnett students right now who wish to pursue a career in sports medicine or orthopedic surgery? Yeah. So um, sports medicine is a great field. So if you are interested in sports medicine, you should definitely try to pursue it. But, you know, it is a long and grueling journey to go through medicine. So you definitely want to make sure that you are like 100% all in and this is something you want to do. So I think early on trying to seek out opportunities to learn more about the field, trying to go in and shadow, try to see if you can get a mentor and things like that to really learn, you know, as much as you can before going down that pathway, you're going to be way more prepared and have a much better idea of if it's something that that you want to do and that you can see yourself doing. So like, I think initially early on, try to find some mentors and that's probably going to be the best way to get into the field. Um, there's a number of, there's something called the Perry Initiative that I would mention that is aimed for like high school students and college students and medical students that are interested, that are females that are interested in orthopedics. And we host it like once a year, usually in the spring at, in, in Philadelphia with like Penn and Jefferson and uh, a number of the programs in Philly that is aimed at women that are ortho, interested in orthopedics. So like, if you guys have anybody that's interested, uh, I would look it up online and when the next date's going to be. And it's a great way to like, you get hands-on, you can like play with some tools and you know, drills and like X fixes and like some of the stuff that we actually use in the OR. And it, you kind of, those lots of presentations on what orthopedics is about and things like that. So it's a great kind of early exposure for those that are interested. Great. That's a great resource to have. Well, thank you, Megan, for chatting with us and sharing all about your career and your time at Gwinnett and all you're doing now to help women in sports medicine and also our communities. So we really appreciate all that you do and for sharing with us today.